Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 181. Two years in this conversation has gotten me nowhere. My response to a frustrated listener. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there. Happy New Year. Welcome back to Changeable. In today's episode, I'm going to speak to a question that was sent to me um, from a woman named Alice who's been around this conversation for a couple years. She went through the Little School of Big Change, I think early on. Uh, I think it was a couple years ago, at least a year ago um, since she went through. And and she's also, it seems, uh, has worked with or at least listened to a lot of stuff from several other teachers that that teach on similar topics. And uh, she's feeling frustrated. She doesn't get it. And, and it hasn't done anything for her, she says. And I get a lot of questions and typically speak to them on Ask Amy. And I was going to do the same for this one. But when I sat down to kind of prep that, it became really clear to me, first of all, that there was a lot in here and I there was a lot that I wanted to say and just, I'm not good at keeping things short. So I thought there's no way I can say everything I want to say to this in 10 minutes on an Ask Amy. Um, but also I could hear, you know, I've heard this. This is not Alice's question. This happens to be coming from Alice, but it is, it is not unique to her at all. So many people, including myself, could have asked this question at various points and have asked this question at various points. And Alice, I want you to know, and for anyone who can relate to this level of frustration and feeling like this has gotten you nowhere, it doesn't mean anything. It's great when we hit those points where we're just totally baffled and confused. Now, it doesn't feel good. (laughs) We don't like it. But, you know, we hit these points and that's often what just breaks us through somehow to seeing things in a clearer way. We have to get frustrated at times or ask the ask the, for clarification or just say, I don't get it, you know, help me see this or whatever it is. So I think it's wonderful that you're asking this, Alice, and I know for sure there are many, many people who either are feeling this way right now or have felt this way before. And it, and it, it doesn't mean anything about the understanding. It doesn't mean anything about you if you're feeling this way or your ability to hear this. It's just a statement of what what thought is doing right now. You know, it's usually just our mind, a mind trying really hard to get this. And in the process of a mind trying to get this, it just overdoes it <laughs> as minds do, right? It just it just tries to draw a button. This is everybody's mind. It tries to kind of summarize what it knows, draw a bunch of conclusions, logic its way through it. And before we know it, we can just get so tangled up in, in what turns out to be some really little simple things to clear up. So I got that feeling, Alice, as I read your question, Wow, there's just a few little things in here that if you could, it's like it's like when you're trying to get a knot out of like a necklace or something. My husband's so good at that. So whenever my chains get like a little knots in them, he handles it. I can't do it. But, you know, you just have to kind of pick at it. <laughs> you pick at it and finally something sort of breaks free. Then you can kind of shake and wiggle it a little bit until you get some of that knot out. And that's 
kind of what we're going to do with Alice's question. So I'm going to read a portion of her question. I'm not going to read her entire question and then speak to it. I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt myself as I read it and speak to it. So I'll try to make it clear as I do that when I'm reading Alice's words and then when I start to talk. Okay, so Alice says, Hi, Amy. So I hate to admit this, but I feel the two years of this conversation have gotten me nowhere. A big part of it is that I truly do not understand a lot of the stuff that's being explained. It just does not make sense to me. I'm full of fear. I'm still full of fear. And I can't see how to leave it all alone. She has that in quotes. I need to leave it all alone. Okay, so I'm going to pause here for a sec and say, Alice, (laughs) everyone listening, um, I don't know how to leave it all alone either. I don't know that anyone ever knows that. And thankfully, that's never anything we have to do. So this is a perfect example. And this this is not about Alice. This is so universal. This is just what a mind does. A mind kind of hears, ooh, if I if I could leave all this fear alone, I'd be free. So now a mind says, okay, how do I do that? That's my job. How do I do that? That's what I have to do here. And it, it, because it always is just looking for a job. It always wants to make it into some concrete step that it can do, not because it cares about your freedom. I mean, truly, your mind kind of doesn't care about your bigger freedom because your mind is the only thing, believing your mind and identifying with your mind is the only thing in the, in the way of that freedom. It's not invested in that, which is another part of the problem, which maybe we'll get to in a little bit. But but your mind loves a job. It loves, it loves a task. It loves something concrete. That's what it does all day, every day, your entire life to keep you physically alive. So it'll take even an idea like, oh, leave my fear alone, you know, be okay with my experience, whatever it, however it might say it. And it'll flip things and turn, try to turn that into some to-do for it. And it's never going to work that way. Never, ever, ever going to work that way. You can't leave your fear alone when your fear feels like something that's real and solid. When we're in any sort of misunderstanding about fear, and we all are all the time, really, we're in that a lot. Anytime we suffer, we're in misunderstanding about our experience. Not Maybe not conscious misunderstanding, but we are thinking something is us. And even, even when we're not suffering, so even when, like if you're watching a movie, and something happens to the character, uh, to a character in a movie, and you feel it, you feel it physically, you feel it emotionally, there's some part of you, there's some part of, of your mind that thinks that's you. You know, otherwise you wouldn't be feeling it that way. So it's like, you see, I get this all the time. I feel physically, I hate like fighting scenes. If you see somebody getting beat up, like, you know, I just, I feel like I really feel that in my body sometimes. There's a part of my mind that's seeing this thing play out and, and producing it in, in what I call my body, you know, and maybe you too. And emotionally that happens. And again, we might know, okay, this is a movie, but on a deeper level, it's all the same. It's just like, we can know something happened in a dream but we still feel it, it, you know, and what, and where's the line between the dream we're having when we're awake and the dream we're having when we're asleep? We just feel the pictures and the images and the sounds and the, 
and the sensory information that shows up, period. We feel it as if it's us. And we've been conditioned and taught that when we that that our emotions are scary and big and dangerous. So anyway, I I'm gonna get into so much more around this, but I just wanna say it's only when we see our this experience, this fear in your case, Alice, in a new way that it, it's taken care of. There's not never anything you have to leave alone or learn to accept or be okay with. All of those things are consequences. They aren't, they aren't actions. They are the natural consequence of a change in perception, a shift in consciousness. And that's really what this is about, is a shift in consciousness. Okay. So back to Alice's question. So she says, I have a question that summarizes my biggest issue with this understanding. And then she has, this is, this is it. This is her biggest issue with this understanding. Nothing outside of you can make you feel anything. This is Alice. Now, I can see how if you believe that, if you really truly see that to be true, how that can be incredibly freeing and how it takes the fear out of everything outside of you. I can see how that alone sets people free. But I truly do not think that this statement is true or helpful because in reality, to me, it just looks like it's not that simple. It even makes me angry every time I hear this because it creates this reaction in me of that's just not true. Don't try to oversimplify the human experience. Okay, I'm gonna, <laughs> I wasn't going to interrupt here, but I am. I, I want you to be curious, Alice. who's, where is this, don't oversimplify it, it's more complicated than that. Where is that coming from? Just be curious about that. Is that life saying that? Now, these aren't separate things, but is that life saying that? Is that your mind that's trying to figure this out saying that? Like, why does it, why would anything have to be complicated? And it's just a, just a question to kind of sit with. Okay, I'm going to go back to your, your question. So Alice says, in order for this statement, and again, the statement is nothing outside of you can make you feel anything. In order for that statement to be true at its core, it would mean that thought is this entirely random thing that has nothing to do with what we experience on the outside. So anyone could think anything about any situation completely random. Okay, so I'm going to, pause from Alice for a minute. So Alice, I'm not sure it does, it would require that. And I think this might be a a really big thing for you to see. So it sounds like what you're saying is, you're saying it would mean that thought is this entirely random thing that has nothing, and she says that in caps, nothing to do with what we're experiencing on the outside. So I don't know for sure if this is what you mean, but I'm imagining that what you mean is that you can be, you know, skiing down a black diamond uh, ski slope, (laughs) black diamond hill, and an avalanche starts and uh, all kinds of scary things are happening and you're sitting there having memories of your 10th birthday. Now, that could happen, by the way. (laughs) That, That absolutely could happen. But is that likely to happen for anyone on earth? No way. No way. So 
I think maybe where you're seeing, where you're saying, though this would require that thought is completely random. And again, I'm pointing this out because you say these words in caps in here that has nothing to do with what's happening outside in the world. I don't think that's true at all. And I, and that that's not my experience. And I don't think that's most people's experience. Thought, the content of thinking, the stories and the pictures and the memories and the sounds and all of that that show up in my in our mind in any given moment, very, very often, if not almost always, are taking information from what's what we're seeing around us. So thought is going to look like it's quote unquote about. A thought is not really about anything. Thought is this universal process. But the content of our thinking for sure interacts with the content of of what we're seeing because truly they're one and the same. So what is what is thought? What is thought? Thought seems to be a bunch of sensory information that's reflected and represented temporarily in, in experience. Thought and look at this for yourself. Again, please don't just listen to my words. It'll do nothing for you. Look at your own thoughts. Really look at them. What's there? When you feel fear, what's going on? There's some pictures. In my experience, when I feel fear and I try to see a picture, it's so fuzzy and vague and sometimes it's concrete, but then I I get a little closer and it vanishes. So see for yourself. When you are in fear in any given moment, what's there? Some pictures, probably some some sounds and some words. Some people are more visual. Some people are more auditory. There might be a lot of just talking. It might sound like a lot of, oh no, this might happen and what if and shouldn't be happening and all of that kind of conversation. You might actually see, sometimes people see the words that are popping in their heads. They see it kind of written. You might have some memories. There's a lot of memory in thought, which shows us thought is not always this fresh new thing, especially when when it's full of fear. It's old. It's old. We're never afraid of what's here now. I'll say that again. (laughs) We're never afraid of what's here now. We're afraid of a mind going back and pulling things from the past and putting them into now or into this imaginary future and telling us that we don't want that. So if you're afraid something bad is going to happen to your health, for example, your mind will go to other people's poor health or your poor health in the in the past. You couldn't know otherwise. It has to go to something it already knows. And then it paints this picture, which again, when you really look at that picture, just examine it and see what you see. It's not nearly as solid and concrete as it seems. It moves around. It's kind of fuzzy. And then it pulls that, throws that picture into some imaginary future and says, here's what's coming. Almost entirely past-based. It is entirely past-based. It's a mind going to what it knows already and not even what it knows, but truly, I mean, it can be what it's seen seen on the news, heard from other people. And it paints this picture and then that picture starts to feel like us. Our ownership and our identification with whatever's popping into our mind makes it such that those very vague memories and pictures and sounds and images feel like they're us, like there's a me that this is happening to. 
Now, to top it all off, and this is the real clincher, as all that's happening, we feel this constriction. We feel it physically, right? You feel sensation. You feel sick. You feel anxious. You feel fear. And all of that feeling adds to it. And and our mind interprets that feeling as evidence that this is real and it's now and it's me because the feeling is happening in what you call my body and it's happening right now. We're feeling that sensation now. All of that makes for this incredibly vivid experience that truly is a bunch of fragments of pictures and old stuff that you heard who knows where that has nothing to do with you and nothing to do with now and nothing to do with your future. The sensation that we feel, the tightness and the fear, the the sensations and emotions, they're just beliefs. That's all that is. You know, when we when we have a picture and then a thought comes up that says, oh no, this might happen or oh no, this is bad, we feel it. That's the design. It has nothing to do with reality. You know, it has nothing to do with with what's true. I had the most vivid Ugh, I just thinking about it right now, I feel it. Horrible, horrible falling dream. I'm going to write about this. I'm not going to speak about it a lot right now. The other night, but just I was with my son and we were a thousand feet in the air on this little beam that was like slowly getting smaller and smaller as we climbed across it. And then it fell and then it disappeared. And we were just in this free fall, horrible feeling. I mean, physically, like horrible and all because it was a thought that felt true. Nobody fell. So anyway, it's a little bit of a sidebar, but this is important, Alice. Like this is how we come to see experience. When you say I'm full of fear and I can't, I don't know how to let it go. Well, of course you don't. But when we, when we see it for what it is, it lets you go. It starts to let you go. So So back to this thing, though, about thought being completely random from what's happening outside, I don't think it means that at all. So how how I think it works, and again, don't hold me to this like scientifically, it's just an illustration, but it's like, it's like there is no inside and there is no outside. Everything is a projection. All we feel is thought. All we see is thought. So what we call outside is something that we see that our mind says, oh, that's over there. That's an object over there or a person over there or something other than me. This is how our mind works. Everything is me versus everything else. And there's space between me and everything else, right? This is, again, this is just kind of what a brain does. This is not the bigger truth of things. If you have a stroke in the part of your brain that does this, you don't see all those separations. If you have a big awakening experience. You don't always see all those separations. You see a oneness and a flow of everything. But when our mind is working and and we're in there and sort of identified with it, we'll see all sorts of boundaries and all kinds of labels and language will make those boundaries seem really real and true. So the whole inside outside thing already is an illusion. And given that, of course, there's a complete interaction. I mean, again, we it's not to say, and I'm not sure if this is what you meant, Alice, but it is not at all to say that there is a complete disconnect between the content of our thinking and what we're seeing and our mind is calling out there. Almost always there is not a disconnect. Thought comes up and has commentary about what we're seeing in our visual field. 
like what, like the sensory information that's right in front of us. So we experience things that appear to be out there through thought and thought at the same time, same thought talks about it. So there's absolutely a connection content wise in there. Now that doesn't mean it isn't possible again to be <laughs> about to enter ski into an avalanche and be thinking about your 10th birthday. I mean, you know, any thought can show up at any time, but it doesn't, it doesn't tend to happen that way. And, and I just want to have you kind of look at that, like given that there is no real inside outside that, that outside is a thought really, we're just, we're just experiencing thought and what we're seeing, my, our mind is saying it's over there, out there, not me, but that's more thought. You know, we're just, everything is this one seamless flow and there's conversation about who knows what in any given moment. If that does anything for you, you know, like if you can see, okay, it doesn't mean if, if nothing out there can make us feel anything, that doesn't mean that the conversations have to be separate. It's, it's speaking that statement that you said is the most confusing for you. Nothing outside of you can make you feel anything. I think is speaking to something slightly different. It, it, it's saying that, again, there is no even out there, but it's like something that appears to be happening out there, over there to, to not me. It can't create a thought. It is thought. Thought can't create more thought. It is thought. So no matter what is, what's happening, you have a health scare, you get fired from your job, something happens to your child, there will be thinking, quote unquote, about that thing. Absolutely no question. If you're a human being, there will be thinking about that. And we will feel that thinking as if it's true and real. And that's that. <laughs> like, that's just how it works. Now, is that circumstance making you feel something? No, thought is. Circumstance isn't making you feel anything. There's absolutely no way, and I think you know this, there's no way that a thousand people who get fired from their job or who, are, who have a sick child are having the same experience. It's, it's impossible. They're having the experience that's changing millisecond by millisecond that thought is creating for them, through them, in them, in that very moment. Okay, so I know this only partly gets to what's really behind this for you, Alice. So I'm going to continue continue with your your question. Okay, so you say, so I'm going to pick up where you left off. Hold on. Um, so yeah, you're saying there's no way that, that thought and circumstances are completely random. You're saying that's not true. What I think in any moment has a lot to do with the situation I'm in. Yes, you're right. The situation does not make me feel anything directly, but it invokes thoughts and those thoughts invoke feelings. I get that it invokes different thoughts in different people, which is always being used as an argument to say, see, thoughts are random and not true. But what, what thought it does depend, sorry, yeah, but what thought it is does depend on me as a person, my history, my experiences, etc. Yes. So, Okay, so what Alice is saying here is, okay, yeah, a thousand people, like just to refute what I just said, a thousand people are going to have a thousand different thoughts and different experiences of getting fired. But, but the thoughts that show up in me 
have to do with me as a person, my history, my experience, et cetera. You're absolutely right, Alice. They do. A hundred percent. That That's not, I wouldn't debate that one little bit. Now, still, any thought can show up at any time. It's not as, as uh, determined as it may seem, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> we tend to have any, each of us tends to have the same thinking over and over and over again, really day to day. It's the same template of thoughts that just kind of get get altered slightly to kind of match whatever we're seeing or whatever's being taken in from moment to moment. So yes, that's called conditioning. That's called being a human with a brain that is highly conditioned. That if something happened to you, if you, if you saw your parent get fired as a kid and they said, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen and now we're going to lose everything and that scared the crap out of you. When you get fired as a 50-year-old, yes, that is going to have different thoughts are very likely to come up for you than for someone who has never had your ha- your history and your past and your experiences or or someone who just sees life through a different lens so you're absolutely right but but we're get, we're getting into something big here that doesn't lock you into anything that still does not make you a victim of thought but what you're speaking to is accurate this is conditioning this is just how each of us have certain thoughts that come up and certain stories that and certain filters that we seem tend to see everything through. Okay. So Alice, back to Alice, she says, so it's not random. So great, Alice. It's not random and it is true for me. And then that has an impact on me. And isn't that all that matters? Okay. I love this. So, it's very smart, Alice, really. I love it. I love that you, you've you really thought thought about this and I, I like how you're thinking about it. So here's the thing. No, it's probably not random. I mean, it's it's conditioning. <laughs> it's like saying that, you know, yeah, it's not completely random. Now, just because it's not completely random, just because every human being has conditioned thinking, uh, there's going to be places we maybe tend to go, thoughts that maybe tend to come up that are more likely than others. I suppose by definition, that makes it not completely random for sure. Now, there's a bit of, I don't know if this is really a paradox or it's just kind of widening it, widening our ability to see this a little bit. That still doesn't mean we're locked into anything. You know, yeah, it's more likely, like this is what tends to show up. It's not 100% random. Still doesn't mean it's completely determined. You know, like like anything can show up at any moment. And again, when we start to really examine thought, you see that because the stuff that shows up and the way it shows up is so not how our mind tells us it is. So you might think, oh, if this thing happens, I'm just destroyed. I'm done for. It's just going to keep me and have me in bed for a week if this bad thing in my life happened that I'm afraid of. There's so much when we look beneath that, when we kind of dig into that a little bit. Again, 
what is what are these thoughts and feelings? Really look at them. They're these fuzzy images. It's thoughts of the past. It's a smell. It's a memory. It's some words in our head. It's some sensations that then our mind labels and says, oh, see how bad you feel. When we really start to look at this, it's so not what it seems. And that's where there's so, so, so much freedom. So our predictions of something that says, where we say, oh no, this is my conditioning and these are my filters and these are my issues and this is how it's going to go. Sometimes we can live in that generalized place and and experience exactly what we think we're going to experience. But that's, see, that that's the importance and the beauty of being able to look a little bit deeper than all of that. On some level, we can all say, yeah, we get what we think we're going to get because that's how thought works. That's how experience works. But when you're on to that, when you, when you start to look more, it, it opens up. This is hard to explain, so I don't know if this is landing at all, but it starts to open up. There's so much infinite nuance beyond language, beyond the first representation, the first thought beyond what's there that we are not really aware of until we start to inquire and be curious and kind of look at it a little more deeply. Okay, so she says, Alice says, so it's not random, true, it's not random, and it is true for me, and then that has an impact on me, and isn't that all that matters? So we're really starting to get to the crux of it, Alice. This is really, really where it's at. Yes, you're right. It's not random. It's conditioning. It's filters. It's whatever's showing up in that moment is a, is a, could be anything, but it tends to be tainted with a little bit of Alice stuff in there, right? But, but it is true for me. That's a big one. It's not true for you. What if it's not true for you? It's simply what's showing up. It's what tends to show up. And she says, and then it has an impact on me. It does when it feels true. So that, so those are kind of related. When it feels like, oh, but this is me. This is the only thing I can think. This is my, this is thought that's showing up in this moment. I'm impacted by it. And this is all that matters. This is it, Alice. This is really at the root of this. It's not all that matters. Every one of us is full of all this conditioned stuff. Again, I mean, the same thoughts and images and memories over and over and over, slightly tweaked so that every day doesn't feel exactly the same, but man, it's pretty darn close. (laughs) That's just the way psychology works. It's the way a mind works, the conditioned mind. There's no motivation for a brain to give us a huge variety of experience. Our brain is is what cuts everything out and limits everything and narrows everything because all it cares about is keeping us physically alive. It doesn't need you to have a, a range of experience and it certainly doesn't care if you have insights or not. It just wants to keep you safe. So so there, there's a lot of that happening, but here's the thing, Alice. <laughs> this is it. We're not our experience. Your mind can say the same things over and over and over and over and over again. And we are not locked into that because we're not experienced. This is where it's this is where it's really at, is we start to get a feel for some identity or some being, some sense beyond thought. And I know in 
that can sound confusing because it's like, well, thought creates our entire experience. I just said, (laughs) everything is projection. Everything is seen through thought. It is, and it's still thought. And and there's a bigger, uh, a bigger us, a bigger I that can know that, that is able to just simply be aware of the thought that's showing up and not be completely tied to the thought that's showing up. To be aware of what shows up in experience and to know that it's not you and it's not the truth and it's not about you. That's where the freedom is 100% of the time. 100%. And we get there. I'm going to talk more about this as we keep going, but we get there in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways is to to do what I've been mentioning is to really get curious about thought. What is this? It feels so solid and so real, but when we really look, it's just it's just not what it seems. Again, it's these vague fuzzy pictures and it moves around in sensations and sounds and words. And when you try to look at it, it hops from one thing to another. Our experience is crazy. It's just so weird, (laughs) so wacky and weird and awesome to really explore this and see, oh, this is what I'm so afraid of. And this is what feels so personal. And just the, it's not even what you're exploring, but just the act of being able to kind of be curious about it and look at it and watch it, it it, it requires that you are not it. Like it, it puts you in a different relationship with it, a different position to it, to where like, you know, clearly you're not it, you're studying it, you're aware of it, you're bigger than it. So I think this is really, even though I know it looks like this question, Alice, of of um, nothing outside of you can make you feel anything. I know that feels like the crux of it for you. I think this is really the crux of it for you and for everyone because that's that's really what's happening. Whether whether stuff out there can make us feel anything or not is almost second. It is secondary to even if it could, even if it could, you aren't that experience. And that's huge. Okay, so I'm going to go back to, to Alice's question for a minute. She gives an example. So we're kind of back on things out there can't make me feel anything. And she says, yes, they can. So this is her example. I see something that makes me sad. It goes like this. I see, let's say, my child is crying. Okay, so Alice sees her child crying. She says, I get a thought. Oh no, she's unhappy. This is so sad. I get sad. Had my child not cried, I would not have been sad. So how can you say that nothing outside of me can make me feel anything? That's just not true, is it? So Alice, I want to point out that you actually refute this in your in your example here. You say really clearly, you, you don't say, I see my child crying, I get sad, therefore my child's crying made me sad. That's not what you're that's not what you're saying here. You're proving kind of the, the opposite point. You're saying, I see my child crying, I get a thought. Oh no, she's unhappy. That's really sad. And then you say, I get sad. So you're, you're seeing, you're, now I know this might not really land in a way that means anything. I'm going to speak more about that, but I just want to point out, like you're kind of proving the point right here. You're saying, I feel my thinking. I feel thought. Now I know, I think that 
you would say, as many, many people would say, well, yeah, but that thought came from seeing my child cry. But how can it? How can seeing someone cry? Now, again, I'm not saying there's no relationship there. Everything's related. Everything's one. So there's always relationship. Always. There is no out there child. There is no child outside of your own perception of her. You only see your child. I don't know if you said it's a her, but I'm making that up. You only see her through your own thinking. You only you only judge that she's sad and she's crying and therefore you're sad through your own thinking. So this is all intimately related. It is all one thing. You can't, we can't really chop it up and separate it if we wanted to. So I'm not saying there's no relationship there, but we're looking at, we're looking at what, where this feeling comes from, right? That's, that's your initial question, where this feeling, your feeling of sadness comes from. It doesn't come from a crying little face. It comes from, as you say, thought that says, oh no, you did say it was a she. <laughs> oh no, she's unhappy. That's so sad. Now, have you seen your child cry and had a different thought? Of course you have. Of course you have. Even if you want to tell me that this exact same thought pops in your head every single time you see her cry, I can guarantee that it feels different each time. There's no way it's like, like it's not like that. You know, it's like a snowflake. I mean, it's always slightly different. We don't get this carbon copy of some exact experience we had before because life isn't like that. Life is fluid and now. So even if every time the words in your head say, oh no, she's unhappy and that's so sad, sometimes you feel really sad by that. Sometimes you feel a little sad. Sometimes there's other nuance in there. It's a fresh experience each time, even when the words are the same. But, but what it comes down to is that that thought, even if it's always there for you, that's what you're feeling. Believing that thought and, and identifying with that thought is what leads to, to the sad that you feel not her crying. Now, again, that almost doesn't matter. That's almost, that's like secondary to what's really going on here, which is when we start to really look beyond the, the, the way language explains life to us, beyond the way our mind retells it, and the, the arguments that our mind is arguing for, when we start to really, really look, all we know is there's just experience showing up and and what we can what I encourage you to kind of start to see is like wow that's just stuff <laughs> it's just it's the stories and the meaning and the pictures and the images and all of that that show up that we feel and it's always moving and it's always rotating and it can be anything and even if it seems like it's never any different. It is different. It is It is always slightly different in how it shows up. And either way, you aren't it. You could very easily look at your daughter crying, experience thought that says, oh no, that's so sad. Maybe some sadness shows up in you, but also know wow, this is what experience is bringing to life. This is not about my daughter. This is not about me. I am not a victim to what's showing up. I'm not 
you know, I'm not locked into anything just because a thought pops in my head. It doesn't own me. It's not the whole of my experience. Now, again, I'm kind of saying how this looks once you start to see it. But so again, I'm not saying get yourself to a place where you say that or or see it that way. But that's how it will start to look as you start to to get more and more curious about how this thought thing just runs on its own. It just runs on its own. It's a bunch of old condition stuff. Just take that stance, even if it feels not quite right, and just play with it a little bit. Wow, look at how there's a machine in here that every time I see this, it tends to talk about that story. Yeah, that that's just what that machine does. That's not about me. It's not about Alice. It's not about Alice's daughter. It's not about Alice being emotional around her daughter. It's not about Alice being a fearful person. It's just what a machine is spitting out. It's just what's there. And and as you start to see it a little bit more that way, without the meaning and the me and all that personal stuff in there and without maybe or holding loosely that belief that that she makes me feel this way or or my thoughts, she makes my thoughts go here and my thoughts make me feel this way. As you hold that loosely, you really, I promise you, will start to feel the fluidity in it. So this whole cause and effect thing is a creation of a mind. I have a whole episode on that, that part of what a mind does is it looks at things and then it builds these cause and effect models. It says, she's crying. I feel sad. You know, I just thought that sad. Therefore, blah, blah, blah. And it's constantly, you're not doing that, Alice. Your your brain is all the time. And that's just part of the conversation a brain has. But that's part of what we really want to hold loosely. It's It's strange, I know, because we've lived our whole lives and everyone has pointed us in this direction and we've been very conditioned to kind of just take things as they appear, take things as people tell us they are, meaning things, meaning life, how life works and our experience. It all looks like it's happening from out there. Our thoughts look true. They feel personal. The content is personal. So, and the feelings come in and they reinforce all that. But it doesn't take much of just looking kind of under the hood a little bit to start to see things in a really different way there. So I hope that, I don't know, I hope you can get a feel again. This is it's a little tough to, to talk about sometimes of how there's this generalized view of life. Here's how I feel and here's how it looks. And this is what seems to cause this that everyone's mind is always spitting that stuff out. And then there's also kind of just seeing that as what a mind spits out and how a mind tries to make sense of the world. And you don't have to refute it and you don't have to disagree with it, but you just want to be a little suspicious of it. You want to be a little curious about it. Okay, so we'll go back to Alice's question. We're getting near the end of her question. So she says, Seeing it from this perspective, which is the only perspective I have to date, it appears as if we are slaves to our thoughts and there is nothing we can do about it. Thoughts dictate how we feel and thoughts cannot be controlled. The only solution is to change how we think by changing our beliefs. So I agree with part of you, part of what you say here and not to others. So, so thoughts, thoughts and feelings are one and the same. Thoughts cannot be controlled. You're 100% right about that. 
And I do think there's some value in looking at beliefs because beliefs are just thoughts. Again, looking at them and seeing, wow, where the heck did this come from? Of, of a, billion, a billion explanations or conclusions or judgments of your daughter crying that your brain could have come up with, it comes up with the same, a similar one most of the time that came from who knows where, some, t- you know, some reaction to seeing someone cry when you were a little kid probably. It's old, it's boring, it's repetitive, it's not the least bit fresh or unique. It's just conditioning. All of that is true, in my experience anyway. But it doesn't mean we're a slave to thought because we are not thought. You are, Alice, you are the wise one writing all this out into a question to me. You're not run around by this. I mean, you might feel it and you might feel locked into the feeling of it more than you'd like. For sure, that seems to be the case. And it is the case for all of us, all of us. It is hard being a separate self human being where thought shows up and we feel it and we're identified with it. It's hard. It's it really, truly, it's, it's a roller coaster. Good stuff happens. Good thoughts happen. Yay, we feel good. Bad thoughts happen. Boo, we feel bad. I mean, we're whipped around by that all the time. When that's the only place we see to look, when we're so identified with thought as if it's true and solid and real that there's no other place to look, but that's not us. That's not you, Alice. You're really starting to see this in a new way or, or you're open to looking in a new way and I'm pointing you there. Yes, these conversations and stories and conclusions show up and they're just old conditioning. They're just what a mind does. Who cares? Feel it. Fine. It is what it is. But who's Alice beyond all that? What's there when, when the sadness comes and goes? What remains? That's where we get to start to look. That's where our, our sense of self, whatever that means, or our bigger identity expands infinitely infinitely. That's where we get to a place where anything can show up. And this is what you said in the beginning that you really wanted, right? Where things can show up in our experience and it's just there. This is exactly how this happens. We're kind of coming full circle, right? When you said in the very beginning, I'm full of fear and what did you say? I can't see how, how to leave it all alone. When we aren't that experience and it's just something repetitive and old and has nothing to do with with real life right now that's showing up, it's just naturally left more alone. So Alice says, I've asked this question to every coach so far and no one has been able to give me a convincing explanation. Usually I hear you're trying to intellectualize, stop, but that's not bringing me any further. Yeah, I agree. See, I mean, the way that things feel from the understanding we're in is just the way they feel from the understanding we're in. But again, I love that you asked the question and that, you get, that you're open to seeing a little bit deeper way. This isn't about just you over-intellectualizing over it, but it is about a mind that kind of wants to own it. We all have that. A mind wants to say, nope, this is how it is, and this is what I get, and this is what I don't get. And it, you know, it kind of argues for its case a little bit. But you, Alice, are bigger than that and you're seeing bigger than that. You're putting it out there and saying, hey, I don't get it. Show me. (laughs) Show me another way. And you might need to listen to this many times and you might need to kind of go back through some of the conversations you've had from, from this different way of seeing things. It certainly has been that way for me. I am literally right now in my life 
rereading books that I read 15 years ago and hearing them completely differently. Rereading books I read two years ago and hearing them completely differently. I think that's the joy of what we're up to. You know, things peel back and get revealed and everything starts to sound different. There's always stuff, you know, continuing to peel back and and new things being seen. So Alice says, should I just forget about the three principles and try something else you think? Um, Well, I don't think any of this has anything to do with the three principles. So again, it's not that. It's not, you know, I, I think... I think you should forget about the form of the three principles. That's just that's just one label for a deeper pointing. Uh, that's it. So yeah, you can leave you can leave that package of the three principles out of it, and just continue to see what you Alice see in your experience. Whether you do that with someone who calls themselves a three principles teacher or not doesn't really matter. It's not about what anyone is giving you or saying. It's about people kind of tossing out pointers and then you exploring in your own experience, you taking those nudges like you're doing as you listen to this and kind of leaning into to where I'm pointing, but not to stop with my words. My words are no better than your words. They're just words to, to let these words kind of lead you into a deeper way of seeing things, some things, new things to consider. Okay, so we're at the end of Alice's original question. Now, I had a a little back and forth when I asked, when I went back and said, hey, can I do a podcast episode around this? And and she gave a little bit of a addendum that I just want to speak to. She says, so um, in case you want to consider this when you're speaking to it, she says, I still do not understand what you mean by thought is not personal. Because in the example of the sad child, the thoughts and feelings that this provokes in me are not fluid. They are very personal and very meaningful. If my child is sad, I am sad every single time. I want you to I want you to be open. I get it, Alice. I get it. This is one of those things where our mind a mind will say, This is a match. Look, she was sad, I was sad, she was sad, I was sad. But the way it it determines those matches is is kind of what's the word? Kind of crude. There's a lot of generalization going on here. That's just what language does even. It's just representations and generalizations, right? So so it'll start to look like every like it does for you every single time this happens, that happens. But again, you, you want to look behind beyond the surface of it. You want to look beyond, I'm sad. I don't even know what that means. I'm sad means something literally different to every single human on in every moment of every day. So see, look for the fluidity. There's no way, and I'm, I don't mean to, I know this is your experience, but there's no way that that thought and feeling are not fluid for you. You're not different than everyone else. There's just no way. But it, but it is very possible for you to have the experience of them not being fluid because that's what a label maker does. A label maker says, here's the stamp you get. This is what you are. And that's exactly how it feels. It's no different, Alice, than with a diagnosis. Someone gets a diagnosis. Oh, you're uh, clinically depressed. Everything they filter and see and experience is through that label of clinically depressed. And that is their experience. But that, but there's more going on beyond beyond the mind. So, the conversation feels personal because 
because our mind doesn't just talk about things in a blank, you know, impersonal way. Everything our mind takes in and talks about is about us. It's about your daughter and what your daughter makes you feel. Of course, that conversation in everyone's head is incredibly personal in content, but it is a universal process happening. And, and as we saw, it's a conditioned kind of boilerplate process happening. You have the same kind of stuff showing up every time. So truly how personal is that? I know it feels like a bit of a paradox there, but see if you can can be with that a little bit. Given that it's so consistent in your experience, right? How personal is it? It's like a it's like the same little stamp gets applied every single time something shows up, something gets triggered in mind, the same stamp gets applied. That's not personal. Now I know the story is, but again, I want you to just be really curious and really open to that. And then she says And it's meaningful and personal because it's part of who I am, loving my child. So Alice is saying that she loves her child, obviously. And and so that's why she gets sad. It's part of who she is. She's a person who loves her child. And so that's why seeing her child cry will make her sad. And again, I just hold that loosely. The logic there is a little not not so tight. I get it. I get it. Of course. Like you love your child, you 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 care, right? But I think lots of people love their children and they have completely different experiences of their child crying than you do. So and and you do too from moment to moment and and many people, I mean, you know, we do see our child, we love our children, we see them cry, we feel sad, maybe we feel other things even if even if the label that comes out in our mind says, I feel sad, she's crying, my sad's not the same as your sad. Your sad's not the same from second one to second 50 that you're feeling it. it it's just, it's so much more than, than the mind will kind of give us. And this has nothing to do with loving your child. You know, of course you love your child. That doesn't require that you're sad and doesn't make it meaningful. You know, just hold that kind of loosely. I'll, I'll, I'll let you sit with that one. She says, how could I ever not identify with that? Does that make sense what I'm saying? It does. And and here's how. When it looks like, well, I'm sad because I love my child. I'm the kind of mother who loves her child a lot, or I just love my child a lot. And so I feel her pain. And when there's a story like that in there, it's going to be really, really hard to see around it. Because that's a very protective, safe kind of kind of nice in a way story for an identity for a mind that's talking about an Alice and the kind of person Alice is it's not going to want to budge from that but again when you can kind of see it a little separate from the story when you can see it as more of this mechanical process and that any thought even these stories of I have to feel this way or this is just the way I feel because I love her all of that if this then that kind of stuff when you can see more about how that is personal in content, but it's absolutely universal in process. This is what a mind does, all of them, not Alice's mind. This is how minds work. They tell stories. They create cause and effect models. They try to find out what made what happen. They give meaning to everything. You don't have to unhook from all that meaning. This doesn't have to mean that you're not a loving mother. It doesn't mean any of that. It's just seeing that all of the meaning is simply what a mind does. And again, you don't have to abandon it, but you hold it a little more loosely and you start to look a little bit more toward 
the universal process in this rather than the story. Because again, keep looking at thought. What is that story? How do you know you're a loving mother? What images come up? What sounds? What memories? What feelings? You get in there and you kind of see, oh gosh, yeah, mind is always sort of telling these stories and then passing them off as if they're the solid truth. And when you really look in your experience, don't take my word for it, but look in your experience, you tend to see things in a little different way. So that's the end of Alice's question. I really hope that this is helpful for people listening. I really hope it's helpful for you, Alice. I suspect that I went a little too far. I wish we were talking. Uh, If we could do a little back and forth, maybe I'll invite you to do that at some point. Like if we could do a little back and forth, I could see where I went too far and back up and meet you where you are a little bit. But in this one-sided way, again, if some of what I said didn't land or it felt a bit like too big to consider, that's totally okay. Lean into what feels, what you can sort of feel around. Sit with it. Listen a few times, I'm, I'm guessing, to really kind of get a feel for this. And let me know. And same with all of you. I, I love, thank you so much, Alice, for sending this and for letting me speak to it in this way because I know man, this is not just you at all. This is such a, so many big questions and and things in there that are very, very common, uh, you know, conclusions our mind draws that are great to see around. I have three quick announcements for you. First, the next Little School of Big Change course begins February 7th. The upcoming course will include entirely brand new content. Every single lesson, which you get to keep for life, has been updated, including some new animations and guest teacher conversations. If you still haven't been through the Little School of Big Change, this is the time. If you've done other digital courses, nothing compares to the Little School of Big Change. It's my flagship course. It goes deeper and wider and is more interactive and it's just better all around than anything else that I have. And if you have been through the course, this is the time to come back through and get all the new and improved content. You can get 33% off when you're part of Student Access Plus, bringing the price down to just $333. And for today only, January 3rd, 2022, the Little School of Big Change is just $399 for those of you who are not part of Student Access Plus. So again, this price is only good for the rest of today. Enroll now at thelittleschoolofbigchange.com to get the best price ever and to save your seat in the February 7th course. Also, if you are a stressed college student or academic professional, or if you know one, please check out the three-hour workshops I'll be leading over the next two Saturdays with Change Coach Sarah Lee called Think Less, Accomplish More, a workshop for college students, academics, and intellectuals. You can see more about those at dramyjohnson.com slash thinkless. And finally, if you want to help people end habits or find freedom from anxiety or needless worry, the Change Coach Training and Certification Program is the perfect place to learn how. This program is like any other in terms of the personal feedback, guidance, and support you receive the whole way through. The 2022 group begins on January 27th, and there are just a few spots left. Check out all the details at dramyjohnson.com slash coach training and reach out if you'd like to talk about it.